But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. Dude, dude, <laughs> a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the 9 by 9 episode 108. This is February 12th. That's Monday, February 12th, 2024. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett Delorme, live from Toronto, north of the border. Graham Vigras, that is right. You are on the title screen because when you win a golden set in CEV competition, uh, you get love from the show. So I can't wait to talk about that. Graham, thank you for watching. Thank the rest of you for watching. Uh, this is going to be a good one because we got a big week. We got a lot of ball to talk about. A lot of ball. Uh, real quick, Graham, just to pass on the notice, uh, the members of the Discord in Canada, in the Canada section, would like to uh, ask you to come back for this summer. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, just a, that's just a general note. They've noted that especially you and Gord have been playing great. It'd be great to see you uh, in a Maple Volley's jersey one last time, especially at an Olympic Games. So, yeah, just, the, just a thought. Yeah, but, uh, a, certain, a certain tournament going down in Paris later this summer. Yeah, exactly. We've we've already booked our tickets, so uh, why not why not why not bring the the boy back together again? But Rob, a bit of a massive week happened, and we've got a big 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 week uh, coming up um, this week as well. No Champions League this week, uh, right? But there will be plenty of uh, other other competitions. But of course, with the first playoff round of the Champions League going down last week, we finally know what is going to be happening now for the quarterfinals and. Here we take a look, and Graham's Viagras Las Palmas team is going to be traveling to uh, Turkey to take on Zirap Bank. We've also got Piacenza and Jacob Giwejo. Uh, Hulk Bank taking on Lube, a little rematch from last year's quarterfinals, and then Berlin taking on Trentino. I, I absolutely love some of these uh, some of these matchups. You have to love the rematch of uh, uh, Hulk Bank against Lube. I think that one's going to be a spicy one. And honestly, I think whoever wins that matchup, Rob, could very well go on and win to, to win the competition. Ooh, that that's that's a spicy take uh, about winning the competition because we look at the the full bracket. The winner of Lube versus Hulk Bank will almost True. definitely take on Trentino in the next yeah. round. Because okay. I, I might I might actually I might actually retract yeah. that. <laughs> I, pers- I, I personally think that Trentino will be substantially favored over Berlin. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about all four of these quarterfinals. We've known about Piacenza versus JSW for a while. Uh, we had plenty of drama in the playoff round. We had a golden set. Uh, speaking of Graham Vigras's Guaguas Las Palmas team, that was awesome. Golden sets are great. Yeah, Lube versus Hawkbank, I think is going to be awesome. Uh, JSW versus Piacenza, I think is going to be a fantastic series. But uh, we've got plenty of time. We'll, we'll break down these more kind of on next Monday's show because, like you said, Everett, there's no Champions League this week. We've got a week off before the quarterfinal round, but we do have a lot to catch up on in what happened in the second legs of the playoffs. So uh, we've kind of been we've kind of been talking about them grouped in sort of three different tiers of, you know, like the <laughs> the, no, the Ronnie Cuban spike tier list for perhaps yeah. certainly no Gracias Par Par teams, but there there's definitely some tiers. So uh, which one of the three series you want to start with? I think we I, I want to go right into the golden set. I want to go right it. in uh, to Guaguas and. Uh, and, and Prague because I think that one was there was so much on the line for both those teams you know what I mean like it, it, a, a spot in the Champions League quarterfinals for not only these either of these teams but either of these leagues and these countries would be massive 
Um, so yeah, let, let, let's start with that one. What, what, what did you think overall of the match? So it, it was very fun to watch. The crowd in Prague was very good. Mm-hmm. That, that is, that shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Yeah. Um, and it was just a fascinating case of the format of champions league and just how that influences how a team plays based on what happened in the first leg. Cause in Prague, what we knew that after, uh, after Guaguas went three to zero the previous week, that the worst they could do is get to a golden set. So it did. And it took them a while to, to, to play some really good ball. They went down two zero. Uh, Guaguas played great in the third, grabbed the 25, 22, ended up losing the match, but then uh, kind of dominated in the golden set. I mean, they went up five to one. They were up ten to five, and and that was that was kind of it. And we'll talk about another golden set that we saw later on. But it was basically the same thing where the team at home, the first leg, won at home, lost on the road, and then won the golden set immediately after that loss. And I feel like that's the more rare way that you usually see that happen, especially to to win a match at home and then play a golden set immediately after the win and not really even show up kind of like Prague did. It's just really fascinating. Yeah, I think for me there's a few factors. I mean, first and foremost, like Las Palmas Guagos has has veteran guys on their team. You've got, two guys, you've got two guys who have played in, in Olympic Games, whereas Prague is, you do have, was that? Yeah, but you do have Pablo Carrera, so you do have one, one Olympian uh, uh, on that team. But other than that, you've got some, some younger guys around them um but also i think you see oftentimes like how often do you see robin in preseason when a, like two teams play and it might be one a fantastic team crappy team but it's usually like four one it'd be really hard to beat a team like in four sets like that and, and, and really dominate them um and I, I know in the other golden set i i didn't watch this one as intensively but there was a de- definitive change in the play of you know winning teams from the actual game to, to to the actual golden set, and I think that's that's such an not an easy thing to do. But it's almost like the Super Bowl last night. Like if you go second, you have that ability to, to know what, what what needs to be done. And Great I think comparison. that if you lose, and I think if you lose that that match, you kind kind of lull that team into a false sense of, of security, change up a few things. And then, and, and it's a sprint, right? And it usually takes a team around half a set to, to, to make an adjustment. So, but the problem is you don't have half a set in that golden set. You only have, no, you don't. So yeah. I, I think if, if you're a good team, you can, you can game plan for it and really adjust things. Well, that's an excellent point. Yeah. You combine that with, with a, a bunch of dudes with a ton of experience. I, I think that Guaguas probably has three Olympians on it. Cause uh, you have Vigras and you have, of course, then you have the two Argentinians like Nicolas Bruno, I assume played in the Olympics at some point. But Martin yeah, Ramos yeah. did for Argentina as well. Oh, he was one, one of their middles for a long time. So a yeah. um, bunch of dudes who have played at super high levels. And yeah, the, it was Guaguas was in a fantastic position because they were able to use the match, the main part of the match as just data collection. Like they, the pressure wasn't on them until the golden set. Once they had already, like they had been in a flow, they had understood how Prague was playing that day. Uh, the mm-hmm. fact that Luis Eliana Strada was absolutely automatic on offense, but was completely a liability in serving and reception. And they definitely picked on him pretty hard in, in the golden set. Uh, it's just of the fascinating example of the, of the Champions League format. And it's just the best thing in all of volleyball. When a golden set happens, it's just the best thing in all of volleyball. So much fun to watch. I loved Guaguas's coach. He was insanely animated on the sidelines. I just lo- loved his energy. And even though sometimes we have these, you know, these home and away series where it produces like a set or a couple sets at the end of the second leg that are completely meaningless, that sucks. 
but I'll take that for the trade-off of the intensity of a golden set. It's like it's just so worth it when it happens. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I don't really think much, much of Estrada, so that's kind of par for the course. The fact that he, <laughs> like, you can tell that they were pinching him out with the libero, but he still got targeted 25 times and passed 0% excellent. He got t- targeted 25 times and never passed a perfect pass. Yeah, that's like, ridiculous. That is absolute garbage. Get your crap out of here. No more of this shit. Get off Instagram and go pass a few balls. Like, like serving machine or something, Estrada. That's terrible. Um, yep. Uh, in the golden set alone, eight attempts in reception, got aced once, zero positive passes. How are you getting? How are you getting sets? Uh, if you if you click set four, like the set four stats in the CV link, uh, it, that like it kind of counts the golden set as that. That that's the stats for the golden set in particular. So smartly oh. so. Uh, Guagos is just tearing the cover off the ball directly at Luis Eliana Estrada and <laughs> Ronnie Cuban Spike in in the chat. Um, he knows very well that the just the type of player, just the most Cuban, the most stereotypically Cuban of all Cuban players. Also, Ronnie is trying to chirp um, chirp us with with Eric Lepke, who literally won an MVP this weekend and yeah. beat, and beat Simone's Piacenza. So keep your chirping, Ronnie. It absolutely fuels me. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. All in all, good win for, for uh, Guaguas. Going to love to see what's going to happen for them in the next round uh, again. Yeah, that will be a challenging matchup. But uh, again, I think we talked about it after after pools were over. But huge congrats to Guaguas for fighting through the preliminary rounds of Champions League, getting out of pools and winning a playoff series. That's that's a remarkable achievement. Yeah, I mean, last team to do that was Trentino back in 2021, 20, like 2021, 2022. Yeah, they went all the way to the finals, but that was, that was a, a weirder situation for sure. Yeah, 100%. That was also back when there was Russian teams in the tournament. I mean, th- things have changed a, a little bit since then. All right, Rob, do you want to move on to tools uh, against Berlin? Um, I did not watch this game. Uh, I know you did watch this game a little bit uh but it looks like berlin just kind of turned things on and absolutely dominated tools at like on their home court yeah it was it was a clapping it it was it it was not close uh all berlin needed was two sets i mean i I was on on the show here last week talking about that this had golden set potential because i had faith in tours and their ability to play at home and uh, couldn't have been more wrong about that uh yeah after after the second set Berlin took it was over everybody knew it so everybody made wholesale lineup changes uh, in the third that you know just kind of a, a side effect of the format but um yeah statistically no, nothing really jumped out to me I mean Abuba was Abuba 11 for 20 with five errors pretty typical uh Berlin served the ball pretty well Mark Schotelo was absolutely automatic 11 for 14 in two sets um reception for Berlin was much better offense for Berlin was much better uh they were just the better team. They were just the better team by kind of leaps and bounds. And they, they were up by, I mean, they were up by even more. They ended up winning the second set. Like the do or die set for tours, 25-18 was the final score. It wasn't even that close. Like Berlin dominated them from the get-go in that second set. And uh, yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more drama here. But this is what this is what Berlin can play like at their peak execution level they will be a difficult team for trentino to beat in the next round if they play like that big if and of an entirely different yeah that's that's a big if yeah i know you know that that's kind of like hey 
I know this marathon's going to be the entirely uphill, but if you run at the same pace you did when you're going downhill, you might be able to win this thing. You know, that's <laughs> that, that, that to me, that's, that's kind of what it kind of what it sounds like. Like if you can play this well against arguably the best team in the world right now, maybe, maybe. I, I, I see the, I, I see them winning maybe a set over the two matches. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of inclined to agree with you. Uh, I, I think just about anyone. I mean, this is Berlin every single year. Like they they get out of pools pretty much every year. They upset one team. Like they punch above their weight class. They do a great job defending home court. But then like their ceiling is really the, the quarterfinals. Like what, you, just at that point, you get too many teams from better volleyball countries that just have too much talent. And there's no there's nothing to be ashamed of there. When you consider the league that Berlin comes from, right? The Bundesliga in in so many ways is a lower tiered league, right? And if it wasn't for Berlin, you wouldn't they wouldn't be relevant. Like there's a big drop off right now and like the fact that Friedrichshafen isn't there either, but there's a there's there's a decent a, a decently significant drop off from Berlin and everyone else in the Bundesliga, right? When you look at the budgets that the Bundesliga <laughs> Berlin did just lose to some team called Dachau uh three to two over the weekend, but, which but, was pretty but that's exa- but, but when you look at terms in, in terms of like the organization that they are, the, the budget that they have to spend on on teams and stuff like that, like you hear I know from Canadian guys, like there's plenty of Canadian guys who even though they know that the Czech league is lesser. They make more money in the Czech league, right? right. Like yeah, that's o- overall, like of, of all the, the top leagues, like I would slow s- s- the Bundesliga in terms of how important it is in the grand scheme of things like behind like France and Turkey. Um, so the fact that they're able to come in every year and then they, they are a perennial team is, is quite impressive. Uh, I agree. All- yeah. I, I think there's, there's a lot for Berlin to feel good about. It's just like, do they have a, a legit chance to beat Trentino in a home and away series? No, I don't think so. But no, when they do play their best, when they play the way that they played against Tours for two sets, when Schotel is hitting like above 70% efficiency, when they're putting on service pressure, like they that team is good and it is not yeah. is they're not a pushover team, but they no, just don't have the talent to, yeah, they just don't have the talent to compete with Trentino. That's what I'm saying. Like, but both of those things can be true. If they were in, if they were in the Superliga, they'd be they'd be battling for eighth probably. That's about where I would put them. Yeah, right. Like they they'd be battling for eighth. All right, Rob. Uh, let's move on to the last match, and this one was historic. And ultimately, like I, I think we can talk about this match a little bit, but overall, in the grand scheme of things, the three time defending Champions League champions are done. They're out. Zaxa is over. I'm not going to say the dynasty is done because we'll, we'll have to I will. see, but oh, okay, we're going to jump right into it like that. Um, they had a chance to go for four, and what has been like a, a season that has gone from bad to worse continuously continues to plague them. Um, Zaxa is done. A very interesting to note, I went over to their Instagram page after the match, and was just kind of looking at some of the comments and stuff. And the fans seemed to be very understanding, given the the health situation surrounding the team, right? And 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 giving to see the, the sicknesses and the injuries and, and stuff like that. Um, I didn't really read that many comments. Uh, the translate function works like half of the time, and they're all in <laughs> Polish, and I can't really read Polish, right? So, oh yeah, once again, Ronnie, they had three lucky years. Everything lucky is lucky years. Years. 
Yeah, um, every everything is lucky for Ronnie. Right. If, if stop you're feeding the trolls. Well. Don't don't feed the trolls in our live chat. Dismiss him. Thanks for participating. <laughs> get get him back to where he belongs. No, uh, he is right about his one comment though that the Zoxa dynasty is over. It it's over. Uh, it, it was it was an amazing run. It, it was truly a historic three years of volleyball that redefined so much about what we know about the club game that will have ripple effects on how teams are built and how success is defined year over year. It brought a champion, it brought Champions League titles back to Poland for the first time in decades. But it's over. It's over. And we, we were saying that you, you can't ever count Zaxa out until they are officially eliminated. And they are. And I don't think that they had what it took to recover from that first set loss. A deep overtime, Hawkbank wins at 32-30, and it wasn't without controversy, as this entire series has not been without controversy. It sucks that we continue having to talk about officiating. I don't like talking about officiating in volleyball. Volleyball is, is designed by the nature of its sport to be immune for the most part to bad officiating, but still the incompetence of CEV officiating has been a storyline over the past couple rounds of games. And there was a play in the in overtime in the first set where Zoxa had the advantage. They were serving with a set point. Uh, Hawkbank was receiving in rotation one with Namir on the left. Uh, they got a, a very bad pass. It was good service pressure. They chucked a high ball out to Namir against three blockers. He challenged the middle of the block and got stuffed by David Smith. No cover. So everyone thought the set was over, and everyone thought that Zoxa won. Zoxa thought they won. Hawkbank thought they won. Coach Slobodan Kovac threw out a desperation challenge, because why not? Like, might as well challenge in that violation on the block. So it took a, took a few minutes, as, as all of our challenges do, and then all of a sudden they, they say Hawkbank point net violation. But David Smith, as someone in the chat is saying, like was looking around incredulous because all the replays that they showed in the arena and all the replays that we saw on the broadcast did not show a net violation. We did not see one. I think the only thing that there could have been was maybe like a grazing of the bottom of the net on like distantly after the block. But then the question would have been, was the ball down first? And we didn't see any of that. Nobody on the broadcast, nobody in the arena saw any of that. And uh, there's so much, like, like, figure it out, show us, give us something conclusive, give the players, give everybody in the arena it, a, a review in a situation like that in all situations must be completely conclusive to overturn the call on the court. And I didn't think it was. So then the overtime continued. Everyone all got all confused. Hawkbank ended up winning the set. And then Zaxa kind of disappeared, led by Bartosz Bednors, who had the worst match of his career, completely disappeared in a big moment. And somebody in the Discord even made like a supercut of all the highlights of the ridiculous, sloppy garbage that happened on the Zaxa side. Bednors attacked a ball underneath the net at one point. Like I it, did it was, see that. I it was bad. See that? Yeah. It was. It was bad. And I. It was. I think just so a culmination of so many things, but uh, I think that that blown call, in my opinion, or that at least like controversial overturn and late in the first set had a lot to do with it. But th at the end of the day, it was just too much for Zoxa. Yeah. It just seemed like it, there, there was so much to handle um, for them. And it really takes us back to last week. And I mean, some people have already mentioned in the chat and that red card with Kazmarek, right? Because if they're able to take that fourth set, 
right? This game isn't over until until it's over. Until right? a golden like, set, yeah. It, 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 until a golden set, and um, yeah, it's 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 a really tough tough situation for Zoxa to be. But you can just tell that they had nothing left in the tank, right? And when you look at it too, when you look at this team. I think we have to point out about how long this team has been expected to play at the highest of levels, right? Like this is a team that once again made a run all the way to the Plus League of Finals last year. They made a run all the way to the Champions League Finals last year. Their majority of this team is made up of Poles and Americans. They went all the way to the uh, they went all the way to the VNL Finals this summer, and then all the way to their Continental Championships. I mean, let's be honest, Norseka is nothing like Eurovolley, but still. Uh, and then they they went and played the Olympic qualifiers. These athletes had not have not had that time off. No, uh, and I think that's that's something that we have to remember in all this is that we are losing our best athletes, and our best athletes aren't able to put their best foot forward because we are overworking them 100 percent. that is is something that the boomers in, in trench coats have no idea is even happening um especially when you, you consider like how volleyball the realities of volleyball right this isn't the nba or the nfl where they've got millions and millions of dollars of sports science facilities to keep you in, in shape and, and healthy like you're you're essentially on your own in a lot of ways so like this you would have to wonder if there was a, a different schedule and a bit of an off season for these athletes. Like when's the well, last time any of these athletes had time off, not due to injury. Mm, really never, really never. never. So, really, really never. So that, that's the bigger conversation that we have pretty regularly because, because it's important to remember and keep in context. And we will always, always, always on this show, support the players in the, with the fact that the schedule that we currently we as the volleyball world put them through is not good for them and is not look good in the long term for volleyball but like we've talked a lot about the zoxa story all year it they've gone through so much and i think that it it came to a head and it fell apart do we and we'll see what we'll see what we'll talk about what happened in the plus league over the weekend too to them because yeah. that couldn't have been more clear that everything is falling apart. But Hawkbank deserves credit here. I, I don't think they necessarily deserved that first set win, but they were significantly the better the better team the rest of the way. And finally, we got like a good legitimate killer performance from Namir Abdelaziz in a big moment. Twenty five for forty three only league. right. Right, 25 for 43, only three errors and three aces for 28 points in three sets is absolutely insane. 28 points in three sets is crazy. This is like Namir playing for Trentino, right? This is like back back when he was putting up like best in the world type numbers. Like that was this type of game um, from Namir. He was absolutely automatic. He could smell it, right? And this is where I still think that he's still elite. And I know he hasn't necessarily been... Like over the past year, I would almost say uh, he hasn't necessarily been mm, okay. No, Champions League last year was pretty good, but this his international season was not one to remember for by no, his was standards and any means. And this year has kind of been up or down, up or down outside of the effort of the league. But this was a a textbook um, kind of shark in the water that smells blood type of situation. And he knew he knew they were down and out, and he just unloaded and you know give it to Ma'a. He just fed fed and fed the beast some more uh also big shout out to our boy gord perrin who came off the bench uh in the first and was pre- pretty good passed some dimes and hit some balls 
Yep. Uh, eight points for Gord, six for 10, a block and an ace, uh, do, doing his job phenomenally well, especially because Irvin Ingepeth was bad this game, negative efficiency. But they got on Namir's back, and he carried them into the Champions League quarterfinals. And I'm, I'm curious to see where Hawkbank goes from here because talked about it a lot. This is a team built from the get-go of the season for international success. Their, their, their sights were set on things much higher than just the FLR League, where they are the probably the best team in the league still, but they weren't good at the Club World Championship. They've had their hiccups in Champions League so far, but still, they got through the three-time defending champions, and then we'll see how far they can go. Yep. Halbank versus Lube in that next round. That's a that's a fantastic matchup. I, I'm I'm real stoked for that. I'm, I I really am. So, well, that's a, it's the end of an era, the end of the Zaxa domina, domination era. Um, I can't have I can't have just uh, wait to have some off the off the record chats with Shoji in in a, in a few months to kind of get kind of get some lowdown on that. Yeah. Yeah, they've been, I mean, there's a reason why we've talked about them so much this year, just because there's been story after story, dramatic turn after dramatic turn. And I think now uh, it's it's pretty much official that, uh, at the very least, the Champions League era obviously uh, has come to an end. But um, you know what? Th- this particular era of the team is coming to an end as well. Yeah, Don't be sad it's over. Right, I'm happy that it happened. Hundred percent. It was one of the great <laughs> runs in volleyball history. It it, it it absolutely was. So, you 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 gotta love that. All right, uh, we, I want to move we, on to the women's side in Champions League. A hundred percent. But we've been pretty lucky when you consider that COVID on one side you had one historic run with Zenit Kazan. On the other side, you had another the other uh, uh, historic run with. Zaxa, like we've been pretty lucky over the past decade in terms of volleyball fans. We have, yeah, well, a lot of awesome stuff in in the last ten years of Champions League. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let's move over to the women's side, Rob. Um, and this is where this this competition gets interesting. Uh, yep. I don't think we really need to discuss the the last round all that much because this is where things start get interesting. Who we some of these matchups are going to be spicy first and foremost the bottom of your page there we've seen this time and time again we've seen it in the finals we've seen it in the club world championships this is this is like el clasico to me this is this is up there like this is one of those two heavyweights like two of the best organizations in volleyball bar none doesn't matter the gender canigliano taking on vakif bank can't wait for it you've also got the the great, great rematch from pool plays of Exaja Basha taking on Scandici. Scandici playing internationally without the foreigner rules is a real fun team, real interesting team to watch. Um, and then a couple good ones. I think everyone expects Milano and Fenerbahce to beat both Stuttgart and uh, and Vodge, but we'll see what happens. You never know. Uh, Malonza is kind of a wild card. Uh, they they sometimes lay eggs. I, I personally don't think that Stuttgart is capable of beating Fenerbahce, but no. uh, of course we'll Who see. Knows? Both both Fenerbahce and Zirat Bank in, in, on the men's and the women's sides respectively earned those number one overall seeds and yeah. are really, really benefiting from those number one overall seeds. They've both gotten significantly favorable matchups uh, which they deserve because you should get better matchups when you're the number one seed in the tournament. Um, so, Corneliano versus Vakif Bank is going to be just spectacular. And we've already seen Scandici versus Zajibasha twice. Remember, Scandici beat him in pools both times, I think both three to one. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, th- those are both going to be some of the best series in women's volleyball all year. And I'm really excited about them. 
yeah, uh, this is this is where the women's champions league really starts to turn on, and you always have that feeling that on the on the women's side, there's maybe less chances for upsets, um, but this is kind of when the tournament is is just wide open. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, absolutely, and, and of course it is. I mean, it's three Italian teams and three Turkish teams. Those have literally all year been the best six teams in women's volleyball anywhere, and uh, it is not surprising at all that they populate the quarterfinals and they're going to be the contenders. And I think Stuttgart and Woods both have done a good job representing Germany and Poland, respectively. But on just talent, they just don't have. They don't, in my opinion, they don't have what it takes to beat those two opponents, Fenerbahce and Malone's in a two match series, unless a a choking of epic fashion happens. Uh, Even then, like even then, (laughs) even then, like I, I, and especially in the champions league, like with with that, with that golden set, you would need to have to have to do it twice. Like it would need to be an epic choke job in two games in a row. Uh, And that's just so hard to do just so hard to do and on this scale like I, I i really don't see it um you know this isn't soccer where you can just defend like you can win one nil at home and then just defend 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 the next game like it, you you got to go out there and play so it would be a big stretch for me for, to see either uh stuttgart or um or Woods. yeah me too I, I i don't see it even like a couple years ago that 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 playoff series when Vakif Bank lost to Zhezhov in the first round I think it was in five that was exactly the thing is that you had to then beat them yeah. if you're Zhezhov you had to then beat them again yeah. in another league which they absolutely could not do and Vakif or like Bank. when when Busto beat Vakif Bank years. same or thing it, no Vakif Bank it years. was Vakif Bank in the in the yeah. semis that one year and but you, yeah. you got to do it again and they couldn't that's it's hard for the the less talented team in this format. Um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about, because th- these matches aren't this week, uh, we can preview them in more detail on next week's show, is the fact that Melissa Vargas is back with Fenerbahce. Oh, no, I she, did not see yeah, that. Melissa, Melissa Vargas, as, as she has done the last several years, went to China uh, mm-hmm. to play for Tianjin and then will play you know whatever the duration of the Chinese league happens to be because they seem to decide change the decision on that league's calendar every every five minutes but uh she's been injured the whole year we, we, yeah. we've learned about her right shoulder injury um what we kind of expected is that she wouldn't play at all this club season and she mm-hmm. would come back to turkey at some point to rehab and get ready for an olympic run because that obviously is the most important thing she is back in turkey she is back with fenerbahce uh the question is like is she back with fenerbahce with an intent to play if I bro, if I'm the Turkish Federation, I'm calling up Fenerbahce and I'm like, I'll we'll pay you 100%, to not play here, hundred we'll percent. And it's and like, let's be honest, Fenerbahce, you have Magdalena Stiziak there. Like you, of course, you'd love to see Vargas there, just in terms of her image within Turkey, because she's becoming an international star, and I think that's like, like, like she's dropping ads within Turkey, which is which is awesome, right? But her performance at the Olympics is way more important than her performance in the champions league maybe if you get to the finals you bring her back and the thing is that that fenerbahce could win the champions league anyway without without her 100 100 but but the reality is if i'm if i'm Alyssa vargas fenerbahce is a top sport club in the world right right they compete on like they compete in the champions league in soccer they compete in euro or euro basket in uh 
or yeah, whatever, whatever it is, is, is called in basketball. Like this is a massive sport club that has money behind it. So they hundred percent have the, like, this is one of the few situations where you actually have that sports science in that facility and all of those things behind you to properly rehab. So hundred percent, absolutely. Like go back to Fenerbahce, get all those doctors on you and go ham at the Olympics this summer. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think this is a good move to get her back in Turkish borders, get her in a good club with, with good resources to help her recovery. Do not play her in this champions league. There is no point. Uh, and I, I hope that the Turkish Federation, like you said, has the level of oversight necessary to, to make sure that that happens. Cause yeah, I mean the wing trio of Stisiak, Fedorov Seva and Anna Kristina, that can easily win a champions league yeah. and they're gonna, and they're, they're in the best position in the bracket to get to the finals anyway. Because yep. I think they're gonna beat Stuttgart on talent alone, and I think they match up with Malonza pretty well too, assuming they get past Woods. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like if if I'm Fenerbahce, I'm scared about Canigliano on the on the other side of the bracket, right? I'm scared of like like of a Vakov Bank of maybe actually I'm not scared of Exajabasha, right? I'm actually I'm, a little more scared of Exajabasha than I am of Vakov Bank. I think really? they're playing. Yeah, I think they're playing a little better recently. Uh, but yeah, I think the okay. the the only Caneliano is the scary one, but Fenerbahce has good vibes in that matchup too, because they absolutely kicked the crap out of them in the quarterfinals last year. Remember that series with all the crazy. Yeah. Serving? Yeah. But that was a, that was a v- Melissa Varga masterclass. Right. Federer both. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Federer was nasty in that one too. Wasn't she? she sure um, was. Okay. Yeah. It, it could be said, but uh, I do think that Fenerbahce has a real good path to the finals. Of course, Malone's in the other, uh, in the other side of the semifinals. That's going to be a tough one. Whenever you've got Paulo Agonu and, and, and company on the other side, that's going to be a tough one. But to me, they haven't, they haven't shown, they haven't shown enough consistency for me to really like look forward to it. But we can preview all of this next week. Yep. Or so uh, it's it's going to be a fun. It's going to be a very fun Champions League bracket. This, yeah, like you said, this is where the women's tournament really starts. Yeah, this is where we start to legitimately see the best teams in the world actually play against each other, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but we alluded to the top of the show. If you saw the thumbnail, Graham Vigras wasn't the only guy to win a golden set this week. Aseko Rasovia goes to Xavierce in the CEV Cup, gets three donged, doesn't even get to 20 in any of the sets, and they turn it around and win the golden set 15-11. Dude, they played them so hard. 100%. They they played them so hard. Like, they played them. They changed up from the first set to this, like, from the, the game to the golden set, and they baited them so, so, so hard. And I loved it. I loved it every. Awesome. I loved every second of it. And I like. I have no dogs in this fight, um, but I. I. I absolutely loved it from Rosovia, and whew, they. They looked like they were about to get bounced. It looked like it was about to be like quick tings for them, and it yep. was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was really fun to watch too, because Xavierche predictably at home played awesome. Uh, Carl Buchan was great. Trevor Clevin was very good. Bartosz Kvolek was phenomenal in the early parts of the match. They served fourteen aces to twelve errors. Uh, so if, if you take out the golden set, it would be eleven to nine. Eleven aces, nine errors in, in like the main part of the match is is ridiculous. But there was a moment. I, and I brought it up in the Discord. There was a moment in that third set 
when you know Xavier was up two to zero, and they were up big in the third set. They were going to win the match, but uh, they the, the situation was Tavares set a bick that was intended for Kvolek. There was something about the connection that wasn't there, like maybe a traffic jam in the back row or something, and Kvolek just had to stay on the ground and set it over. He set it over short. Boyer just was standing there waiting, jumped up and pounded on the first contact, and then started talking trash to him. And laughing. Laughing at him. That was, Rob, that was when I was just kind of like, what's going on here? Like what? Like what's going on here? Like, and I was looking at the entire Rosovia squad on the court, and I was like, "This is this is not the answer I'd be expecting from a team who's getting three donged right now, who's getting hour and showered right now." It was you could tell there was something going on there. It was a masterful mind game play, in my opinion, from Stefan Boyer. It was exactly what that team needed. It, it got Kvolek in his own head, and ever I mean, everyone knew it was headed to a golden set. Like the, the situation was fully understood. But that, like, if if you couldn't, if you were running out of time in the main part of the match to make a comeback on the scoreboard, you had to do something else. Boyer did. I thought it was an amazing move. The one of the better off court plays I've ever seen in a volleyball match. Yeah, it was. completely changed everything. It really did. Because then in the golden set, like Xavier Chape froze. Yeah. They 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 hit three for fourteen with five errors as a team in the golden set. They were absolutely just in, invisible. Passed the ball like garbage. Got stuff blocked three times. Like that that something about that changed everything. It was amazing to watch. I, I don't know as much as it changed everything as as much as like I think Rosovia baited them. I, I really do. I almost wondered if they like that that was part of their game plan where they're just like, we're gonna play this way for three sets, lull them into a false sense of security, and then completely like completely switch it up. And I mean, I've I've played on teams and I've coached on teams where we're like, we are going to make their best player feel really good by giving them their best shot. And in set two, we're going to take it away, right? We're 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 going to absolutely take it away. And that's what it seemed like. And when you like, everyone's kind of been it when you you're rolling a team and you've rolled the team a lot, and they change things up, and you're like, shit, like what I normally do doesn't work. The shots that I normally do don't work, and that's what it seemed like. It was it was just a quick and like all you need to make is one or two adjustments in a golden set scenario and the other team can't really adjust to that you jump out to a quick lead which they didn't they're actually they're actually down at five but the other team has such a hard time responding so good on good on rosovia i I kind of wanted to see Zivierti win. I was happy to see them win during the game. But then when the way I saw Rosovius respond in the golden set, I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Good on you. It was great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, other than TJ DeFalco, I don't have a, I don't have any Americans on either side. And I've been a very vocal Zavierche fan throughout this year because I was so been. high on them in the preseason. But uh, the the way that Zavier, the, the way that Rosovia handled them mentally down the stretch was just remarkably fun to watch. I, I thought it was really cool, and uh, that's the magic of a golden set to me. I, Ronnie in the chat, I couldn't disagree with you more. The golden set is awesome for this reason. Yeah. So it is awesome for this reason. You you have to earn it in the biggest, most important moment with the thinnest margins, with all the pressure in the world. The team that thrives in that situation deserves to move on. 
Ronnie just doesn't like it because he knows him and his team perform poorly in stressful situations. Once you get down to a fifth set, you know that the, the Mickey Mouse-ness is just going to come out and they're just going <laughs> to poop themselves. When's um, the last time Cuba won a fifth set? Seriously, is, against Canada? I don't. I can't remember that, it. That Brazil they, match in GNL, I guess they did. Yeah, they, oh, they, they did. They did lost win that. The, they lost yeah. the fifth to both Canada and the U.S. at Norseca. Yeah, that's awkward. Choke artists. Uh, anyway, Stefan Boyer, in addition to that one mind game play at the end of the third, was very good. He was 15 for 22, which is ridiculous. And he was the only statistically good player on Rosovia throughout the duration of the match because uh, Chabul, Luati, and, and DeFalco weren't overwhelmingly good. Yep. I mean, that's what happens when you go 19, 19, 19, three-donged. But Rosovia flipped the switch mentally. They turned it on when it mattered, and they're going, uh, they're going to the semifinals of the CEV Cup. Um, yeah. Who do they have? I think they have Fenerbahce, men's Fenerbahce, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Let me see here. I have it. Oh, of course, now it's it's taken forever. Yeah, they've so Rosovia has men's Fenerbahce, and then the other CEV Cup semifinal is one that I'm very excited about. You should be excited about, especially if you're Canadian. Ludenberg versus Arcus Sport Izmir. Verkus, Verkus. Uh, yeah, this one's going to be a funny, uh, a fun one. Izmir took down Olympiacos, a team that you were unnecessarily high on at the end of the year. Not entirely sure. And now they're they they're not even losing in the the, the CEV Cup. So good on you, Olympiacos. Um, figure it out. Who's their setter again? Oh, Tragica. Oh yeah, Tragica. that's why I don't like them. Uh, Lundberg <laughs> took down uh, Ion's Milan uh, from. That was Green. a good series. Yeah, it was a good good series. That one w- went to fifth a fifth set in the second game, uh, and Fenerbahce took down Greenyard Masaic in a couple of three dongers. Yeah, thanks for participating. There should have never, Cross ever, Cross ever, Cross ever Cross been Cross. all those Belgian teams in Champions League. Get get them out of here. That never made sense. Uh, these these semifinals are going to be very good. Yeah, I Rosovia, like uh, the Fenerbahce men's team is is pretty good. Um, Rosovia, we've talked about them a lot, and then Lundberg and Izmir, like both very fun Canadian flared teams. We get Georg Grozer, which is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. We get a bunch of Americans and Canadians on Lundberg. We get matches in two fun home arenas, and I think it's finally at the semifinal stage of this tournament when the CEV actually produces broadcasts. So Thank we'll be able to watch them. I hope. Yeah, I think we're looking towards as much as I love Lundberg. Um, I think we're going to be looking towards an Arcus versus uh, versus Zhezhov final. I could see it. That's that's what I, that's what I think I'm looking for, and I, I kind of love to see it. I want to see Grozer go off, right? I could see that 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 happening. So it could be fun. Uh, yeah, we'll never never bet against Scare Grozer to pop off in a big moment, and I, I will never turn down an opportunity to watch him play. Oh, 100 percent. He's such a man. He's a, he's a guy that you really got to appreciate what you're watching while you're oh, wow. watching it before it's gone. Yeah. Is Germany coming back to Ottawa this year for VNL? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Uh, but there, there's no way they send him. It would be insane if they sent him to VNL. Save yeah. him for the Olympics. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so we, we also have the Challenge Cup final set. It is, in fact, Monza versus Varsava on the men's side like we thought, which is going to be really fun. And those games, I'm pretty sure, will be broadcast. So uh, I'm hopeful for that. And then Women's CEV Cup also had some drama. Uh, Kieri beat Lucane 21-19 in the fifth to advance. Uh, that, if Lucane had won that fifth set, it would have gone to a golden set. Uh, that. Had potential for that, the rare sixth setter. So uh, the quarter, the semifinals for CEV Cup 
It's uh, Budavani Woj against some team called NUC Volleyball from Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Also, who also won a golden set in the last leg. And then Kieri versus Paris. I don't know anything about or Paris if you're French. I don't know anything about their women's team. Paris Saint Cloud or I think so. The C E V side is just not working for me. Yeah, right now, uh, so. Paris Paris Saint Cloud. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody says no Germany in Ottawa. That's a bummer. Uh, but yeah, the women's women's CV Cup semis also next week. I think just about all of these CEV tournament series are like Tuesday the twenty first, Wednesday Wednesday the twenty seventh. No, wait a minute. Tuesday the twenty first is the first leg. Wednesday the twenty seventh, yeah, second leg. So um, next week will be a whole lot of CEV action. And then I didn't notice anything in women's challenge cup so i don't think we need to bother with that one. Yeah. Oh wait no it's novara novara's in it so they're probably gonna win that tournament man whatever uh finally it's working okay as as we finish talking it my women's yeah. dev page finally starts not their giving site, me the, the ring their of website death. was figuring was struggling for me earlier today to figure it out cv in <laughs> in many areas so uh, that's a CV recap. That's everything that's going on. We have a week off from all those tournaments. Then we jump back into it. Uh, before we jump into some domestic spiciness, uh, ever let the people know about that volleyball.store. I mean, this is the real spiciness right here. Of course, right. use the code SPICY over on at thatvolleyballstore.com and get 15% off your entire order. Uh, definitely want to be seeing you guys at the VNLs this year wearing some uh, some swagginess. Rob and I are matching. Actually, we're double matching. I've I've got I've got this I've got the T-shirt on right now uh, as well too. So, um, if you are a part of my weekend clinics with Javelin and you're not picking up swag, then I'm disappointed in you. That's, 100%. that's, that's all. I, that's all I have to say about about you, that. You get bonus brownie points from Coach Everett if you're if you're wearing our gear. Yeah, and so, uh, that's a, that's all. That's also another thing. If you want to get coached by me, as an adult, uh, head over, download the the Javelin app. We'll be doing some some stuff over there with them. Love it. I, I want to yeah. get coached by Coach Everett, even though he can't beat me in short court. Bro, I could beat you in short, Garrett. Let's just oh, yeah? let's go. Let's go. This we've played once. And then that that game was already too close. Oh. All right, uh, let's move on. Uh, one of the other things that you can pick up at that volleyballstore.com is the Where's Daddy collection. Because we Daddy, gotta talk, we got to talk about Daddy Stankovic. Oh, we always got to talk about him. Just look at him. What's what's happened when he retires? Like, uh, gonna... I'm gonna, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll be able to do a show for weeks after Daddy retires. I'll be in mourning. <laughs> so. Uh, but we got to talk about Daddy Sankovic like we always do because we hide him somewhere in the show. That's the Where's Daddy segment. Uh, you find Daddy Stankovic in one of our assets in the middle of the show, and you comment in the YouTube comment section a timestamp of where he is, and then you get a shout-out the following week. So last week, uh, this one was not very conspicuously hidden, um, or it was pretty conspicuous, I guess is the right way to say that. Uh, on I think that's Brooke Nonaviller of the PVF, the Omaha Supernovas. Uh, she got a makeover and now looks even better. She looks like Daddy Stankovic. So uh, that was a pretty easy one. Kenny McGraw found him immediately. Young Gemini was right behind uh, finding Daddy Stankovic. Ozzy I says mean, Daddy, you did- Daddy got a new haircut. He does look pretty good with the, with the long blonde hair, got to say. <laughs> with the, the ponytail. <laughs> got a bit of a weave going on going on there yeah, i like it why not that's good every, every every week that i go to photoshop daddy into something i'm like yeah he looks good here he looks good everywhere i mean come on 
So uh, take, keep your eye out for Daddy Stankovich this week. And when you find him, uh, comment the timestamp of where he is in the main YouTube comment section after the stream is over, not the live chat. No cheating. I mean, you can cheat, but like you're not going to get anything from yeah, it. You're not, you're not it's gonna it's not even it. cheating. It's just it's just shelling, selling yourself short. Right. All right. Uh, shall we move on? What, which uh, which domestically you want to talk about? I want to I want to jump into. Let's go to Italy first. This was a, Rob. This was a weekend, especially on the men's side of upsets. Um, it was uh, like if if we're looking at the three three twos there in Italy, those are really the only ones that that I want to talk about. Um, Although there was a moment on Sunday when like Lube was like down to Toronto and like everything, everything was nuts. Um, I think first and foremost, we should talk about Monza ending their losing streak uh, in Italy. Again, Piacenza, a beautiful 3-2 win by Monza. Uh, Eric Lepke with the MVP on that one. Really just a good around. Oh, yeah. Like Rob, Rob oh, just... Stats. Rob, Rob just saw his stats uh, on Whoa. on yeah he was really really good uh, in this one 16 for 24 with three blocks and three aces uh, he was the MVP and I mean he really took over especially in that fifth set like they started was it four nothing five nothing in, in five nothing in in the fifth set did Monza he was serving the, that entire time. He served two aces and had a beautiful dish to Stephen Marr on a back row two ball, like all the way across the the entire court. Like he was in like the one six seam, and was able to huck it all the way to the left side. Marr smash it down the line, and it was all EFL to start that fifth set. That's what gave them that that five point lead, and that's what they were able to push through. Um, I mean. Piacenza is just such a an anomaly to watch. Like yeah, they are. Like uh, Romano actually had a good game in this one. First and foremost, that that was that was big. Leal was all right. Was 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 decent. Um, and Lucarelli's serve received like he was a bit of a hole. He got aced for time, only ten percent uh, positive while taking a, a good bulk of the load. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. But this is this is the duality of Piacenza. Piacenza is like rolling a twenty sided dice, and you have absolutely no idea what you're going to get on a given day. Uh, the fact that Yuri Romano was good on offense was nice to see. But like another weird thing, their second middle blocker position is a problem. Like Eduardo Kaneski was invisible, and you had to pull Fabio Ricci's like skeletal yeah. self out of semi-retirement like we haven't heard from him and there was there was no respect for Kaneshki whatsoever in the middle like none whatsoever and they were just able to double up on the outside so much because there was very little presence in the middle and I mean you're going to give Simona's roses in the middle whenever whenever he's there that, that's the case of it and there was a few times where he kind of turned it on especially from the baseline a little bit of blocking he had 12 points on the afternoon was still a minus two overall though um so Overall, this was a very good Monza game. Uh, a very bad Arthur Schwartz game. He was not efficient in the slightest. Uh, 12 for 33 with three errors will get blocked four times. So we did see um, this Slovenian come in from time to time, Nick Mujanovic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember there being some drama with uh, picking him up on the, the transfer earlier this season. But yeah, good for Monza that they have really been in a gauntlet schedule wise in the Super League of the last, really kind of since the new year. They've played exclusively good teams and uh, and they needed this win. So good for them. 
Yeah, that that was a big one. I mean, they started the season so good. They were in the top four for for a while starting the season. But like, if you look down, they got three dog by by Trentino uh, last week. They lost to Perugia uh, in the finals of the Supercopa. They've lost to Verona. Other than Toronto, like they lost to Modena, and Modena has been garbage this year. Like lost to Cisterna. Like it's been a bad run recently for Monza. So you gotta love to see them uh, get a nice dub. Uh, moving on, next one I want to talk about, Rob, is Verona taking on Perugia. Yes. Now, this is one that I was only somewhat watching just before training and as training started on Sunday. But I did rewatch it today on Volumetrics. And I have to say, Verona earned this win, right? And especially when you look at the stats, like they were fantastic in this game. Only unfair throughout the entire time. And they outpassed Perugia. Um, they were serving real, real well. This was a really good, like when Verona was like this, they're relentlessly aggressive offensively and they have so many options. I don't understand really why they brought in Keita for um, Amin. I thought Amin was having a real good game. Like he was 11 for 23. He, he wasn't really doing anything in like in terms of blocking or serving, but he was doing he was doing a good job and and scoring some points. There was one ball that he played, and like he dug a ball on the left side, like coming it off the net. The middle just kind of it was gross enough, shoved it back, and he was able to get a kill like backdoor in transition on the left side as a lefty, which was so tough. So I'm not entirely sure why they're taking him off, but it does give them a good look, and I really think that a lot of uh, like, like to me, I don't know who got the MVP of this game. It's, it's the Rock Mods. It had he, to be. Had he to was be nasty. He was absolutely nasty. Fifteen for twenty-two. Some of his his thumb down cross cross body or not cross body, but thumb down cross court four to four four-to-four. is starting to get is starting to get into the Kliuka range. Like he has the <laughs> shot locked in, but like Luke Spirito sets such a good offense for this team. It's so fast to the pins, so fast to the pin, but they're also really effective down the middle. Aiden Zingle was six for seven in this one, and he's low key, like, and, and Grosinov was, was eight for 10. They're really strong down the middle, they're really offensive, and they pay, play it lightning fast out to the pins. Lightning fast. Also, a big thing in this one, this was a bad Leon game. This was a bad Leon game, and I know stats wise, he did lead them in scoring. Um, he wasn't terribly efficient, but he got aced a lot and in big moments. That was that was a big thing. And when he made his errors were in big moments, like blowing one out of bounds in that fifth set. He's not moving well yet. Like you can tell he's not hundred percent yet, but this was this was a bad Leon game. I would have liked to see Plotnitsky come off come in off the bench for him. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to even see Leon playing in this game. I mean, this is I'm pretty sure this is his first actual yeah. start at outside hitter since his injury. Uh, and yeah, clearly wasn't wasn't quite himself. Like it, it wasn't just the attacking stuff. I mean, it four blocks, two aces, uh, thirteen for twenty eight with four errors attacking. But yeah, the reception he was relentlessly targeted. Forty four, forty four reception attempts uh, out of out of the eighty three for the team. Yeah, that's way way over half. Rare good serving strategy game from Verona. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't as, as tuned in to be able to tell like when his errors came, but I believe you that they were in bad moments. Yeah, there was, it was like he got aced in the first and the third and in the end in the, and in the fifth, all the sets that he was, he, he was getting aced that they were losing. And 
there's just too many like 50 50 balls that fall for piacenza and when Perugia. when they win when sorry perugia when they win sets they make big plays right and and that's kind of how they are and their offense transition like early on it was very much through bentara and they they fed bentara a lot and then as it was progressing they started go to going to semeniuk a, a, a little bit more a lot to a lot to leon as, as well too but still it, wasn't that, that great of a game um also questionable getting a few times from from gnl like why are you sitting your middles in a situation where like, literally everyone's crammed in one third of the court and you're setting it straight up for your middles and they've got two set like two bodies right in front of them so some very interesting from perugia it's like they won the copa copa italia and they're just like let's just jump on the lazy river and coast for a little bit yeah, two losses since then, uh, right? Piacenza last week, Verona this week. Yep. So uh, they, they need to figure it out. But yeah, it's good to see Verona have a good Verona game. They are rare, so you got to appreciate when, them when they happen. But yeah, Rok Mozic reminded us this game of why he is one of the great young prospects in all of volleyball. Like 20 points on 15 for 22. Well, I mean, you already said it. Before. I don't think we can call him a young prospect anymore, though. I think he's, he's he is now. He's, yeah, he's the like captain the of the team, for God's sakes. at only age 21, but he's only age 21. That's the crazy oh. part. He's that, a young that's kid. Fucked. That's fucked up. That makes isn't, me feel really bad about myself. Yeah, that's that's a real blow to the ego. Because how long have we been talking about him? Uh, sorry, I think he just oh, turned twenty-two. Man. My apologies. That's, that's disappointing. Just turned twenty-two a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, because he was like there was there was no doubt. Like I was getting excited watching that game when it was going to him. You know, um, and in the same vein, I was noticing that I am no longer like there used to be a sense when I would watch Leon, like even in his Perugia days where I was like, oh, it's going to Leon automatic. Automatic. I don't get that sense anymore at all. No, like he's still able to score. Right. Like he's still a wily old veteran. Like, let's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying he's not skilled, but so far he's not Leon. Like in his first game back, let's give him a little something, but he's not Leon yet. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, the Battle of the Poros. I loved this game. <laughs> yes, this this one was... I skimmed this one through as well on Volley Metrics. And first and foremost, I think we need to say sorry to Davide Gardine. <laughs> like, really. We, we have dogged this man so much. But goodness gracious, 17 for 30 in this one. Didn't get blocked once. Uh, did have three errors, but still. Four aces. On 18 attempts for, for Gardini. He has been really, really good. Uh, and especially when he has Luca Poro beside him. Luca Poro, still pretty good offensively. He was 13 uh, for 26 with Aaron and got blocked four times. But still, Padova was a massive win over Milano. And now, Rob, I may jumping, be jumping ahead because, you know, uh, some of the fantastic people in our Discord, you know, did a bit of a uh, relegation race breakdown. And I think Padova is the one team right now in the Superliga that is simultaneously a part of the relegation race and the playoff race. Yeah, it's not impossible. They are six points out of a playoff spot. That is difficult, but not impossible. And when you beat a team like Milano, that that absolutely helps. Uh, Padova is good. Padova is a franchise 
that deserves a lot of credit for just being a really well-organized, well-run program top to bottom. They have a very good youth development system. They do a really good job of home-growing super level talent from the, from the, the youth levels all the way on up. The problem is that at the top levels, they don't have the budget to keep those guys. Like Mattia Botolo is a good example. He's like part of a born and raised came up in the club, had an amazing season when him and Lepke were playing next to each other, and then got poached by Lube Chivinova because they could pay him more. Like That happens to Padova a lot. But as a franchise, yeah. they, they, they are a good organization and typically will play like greater than the sum of their parts. And they've really got a good thing going here with young Luca Poro playing like a young superstar. Although it's his, it's his first Super League season, so we'll see if the sophomore slump hits him next year. But a really pleasantly, surprisingly good season from Davide Gardini is a big storyline for this team. Yeah, I mean, I may have to pull myself back, Rob. First and foremost, would you believe that we only have four matches left in the regular season? Is that true? Oh my yeah, there is only there is only four matches left. It's a twenty-two game season. We're at yeah, match, you're right. we played eighteen matches. There's only four matches left in the regular season. So, like we like the the playoff race is is here now. So Padova is six points out of that eighth spot. There, uh, High Milano, they're three games back. They have um, they have Catania, Catania, Perugia, Monda, and Trentino. Oh. So maybe pull that one back a little bit. Maybe we'll just. That's one. That's one win. One win, but probably not two wins. Yeah. uh, But there's no way they're going to get relegated, and that's which is great. I think Catania right now is is pretty clearly the the team in relegation position. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy for Padova. This was a nice win. It was cool to see Gabi Garcia get the match winning stuff block at 1816 on Yuki Ishikawa. Of all people, uh, Milano's statistically not bad. I mean, Ishikawa was very good. Petar Dirlich got the start at opposite and played well. Um, ooh, Kaziski got the game off. Okay, so yeah, it was Mergarejo. He was mediocre. It's we're st- I'm starting to question if Mergarejo is a starter at this level, which makes me sad. He is has always been one of my favorite favorite of of the Cuban guys. Um, and I know he's had flashes, but there's just been too many seasons now where he's he's been unable to really secure himself a starter position here for Milano. Well, I think Mergarejo is the absolute perfect third guy. He's an amazing third guy on any team. He can come off the bench anytime, play well. Um, he does it for Cuba. He does it for Milano. Uh, is he going to be a starter on a really, really, really good team? Maybe not, but I think he is a good all-around player and has a lot of value. Yep. Yeah, okay. I think that's fair. I'm, I'll go with that. Uh, um, good game from Fabian Plock as well in the middle for Padova. Eight for twelve, no errors, three blocks, two aces. Love that. Yeah, that we. I feel like we we generally see a late season push here like this from from Padova. So that's an underrated franchise. Got to give him credit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna continue watching Milano too with one half eye because this is exactly like last year. So who the hell knows? Honestly, Rob, like this is such a toss up between like seventh, even like seventh to second is a toss up, but even first, like the fact that Monza's in in seventh and they beat Trentino just a couple weeks ago in the, in the cup. There's so like there's so many possibilities once we hit the playoffs here. Like we're really this like in the next few weeks like. The, the the last day of the regular season is March third. That's so crazy. In three weeks, in three weeks, we will we will be in the playoffs here for the. Wow, playoffs. that that's insane. I'm really just like 
my my the calendar in my head i'm not prepared for the the acceleration of the season that we have this year to kind of push the club season up a couple weeks because of the olympics i'm I'm not ready for that but i'm excited about it uh last game because we look at the standings the last game i want to talk about is you had the battle for eighth you had modena plachy staring a head-to-head modena beat them in a three dong now they're they're dead tied at 22 points vlad davi skiba at opposite went 18 for 28 was that that was spectacular oh and uh like Monterena really good as well. Eleven for sixteen with no errors. And uh a rare, pretty bad tail four game. Uh six for twenty, four unforced errors is not very good. Mm, yeah. So I can already Mo- see the Discord complaining that they played Pavli Peric over FA Barum. Yeah, don't 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 let any of our Turkish fans let you hear let let you hear you say that. What? I mean, I because they're, they're going to get triggered. They're, they're they're the most easily triggered fan base in all of volleyball. Oh, That's the, that 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 is very true. It's them love, and the Cubans. No, the, the Cubans aren't easily triggered. They're the, they're just led by a very vocal troll. I think Brazilians <laughs> are pretty easily triggered too. But uh, yeah, our Turkish our Turkish fans are incredibly easily triggered. Yes, very passionate. Very passionate. Easily triggered. Easily. And triggered. I'm 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 not I'm not including the weebs. They do not count as a fan base, but they're easily triggered as well. But they don't know. They they don't they don't know any better. They don't know anything, um, and they certainly don't watch the show, so it doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, here's the, the standings, dude. I, I'm I'm happy you put that on my radar. That there are only four games left in the season. That that I yeah, really I was looking at. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no, neither was I when I saw that the day when I was doing some research. I was like, oh dad, that's uh that's real damn quick. That's how that's, about it. Uh, real fast. How about it? So yeah, and like we've got a big day of Super League coming up too on Wednesday. Um, looking at some of the matches, we're going to have a Lube versus Trentino matchup. A That's fun. Versus and I think Monza versus Milano as well, too. So you have three really fun matchups coming down on, on Wednesday for the fourth to last regular season match uh, of, of the year. Was I right in all those matchups, Rob? Are you looking at that? Yes, you, that yes, up you right were. Now? Yeah, I'm looking at it. You nailed it. Yeah, Monza versus Milano is, is a big rivalry game in the, 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 the actual Milano team and the team just outside Milano. I mean, we know that uh, Vero Volley's club can't figure out their own identity and they're trying to be Milano posers because they call themselves Milano on the women's side, but there already is a Milano on the men's side. So there's always there's always something behind that match. Uh, yeah, Trentino versus Lube is good. Verona versus Piacenza is good. I'm just excited to have ball to watch on Wednesday without any CV action, so that's a nice treat. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, do you want to r- jump over to Poland now or do we want to talk about the women? Yeah, let's, let's let's talk about the women. We've got a couple good matches over the weekend uh, in, in the Lega Volley Femenile. We had, uh, let's see, we had, we had Malonza. Malonza got beat by Navarra in five. That was that was something. Uh, Scandici barely survived Valafolia in five. Um, Caneliano beat Firenze, no problem. But then uh, before we get into anything, we can jump into the other matches a little bit more. But I wanted to shout out Camila Weitzel. Uh, a three-set yeah. win for Kieri over Bergamo. Camila Weitzel, a middle blocker, 15 points on 9-for-11 attacking, a block, and five aces with no service errors. Somebody put recently that she's like a top-five middle in the world, and I don't know if I disagree with that. Ooh. Like From what I've seen recently from her, and like she only really started being on my radar this past summer watching her play for for uh, for Germany. Maybe last summer a little bit too. I can't I can't fully remember. I've seen her play club. I think this is her third year in Kieri. I've seen her play all three years. She's like her role is growing, but she is very good. She's very good, and I like her game a lot. I like middles who can serve. 
Yes. But she just seems like, and like when I watch her play, she looks so young. Like, look, like she looks like she has so much room uh, to grow. But I mean, I've been talking about it for a while. I really like the composition of this, uh, of this carry team. And you look down to the stats in this one, just like so many different players in double digits, four different attackers or carry in double digits, 13 for Skinner, 13 for Corbell, and then 14 for Morui. And of course, as you mentioned, 15 for Weitzel. Nine for 11. Yum. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome stat line. 15 for a middle and three sets. Five points per set for a middle is amazing. Five aces and no errors. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. Uh, so I just pulled up the stats for Scandici versus Volifolio. Like I'm trying to find like why did Scandici struggle with Volifolio so much? There's two answers. Mm-hmm. One is that Scandici positionally was absolutely a revolving door. I think they played at least three different middles. Yeah, uh, three middles, at least three outsides, maybe even four, and uh, just couldn't really figure out what they were what they got going on. Again, that team is built to be handcuffed by the foreigner limit. They get that freedom in Champions League. But uh, here's a name, Everett, that uh, that uh, we should all at least not forget so quickly. Camila Mingardi. Remember her? Ooh, yeah. I've always been Remember a big her? fan of Mingardi. Where's Mingardi at? She's at Volifolia she's now. Volifolia, uh, she's been kind of out of the spotlight for a couple years since that one Busto season where she was insane. But she dropped 24 in this game. Uh, 22 for 62. Ooh. 62 attempts. That's <laughs> Only six That's errors, which it is a lot, but only six errors and 62 attempts is, is actually quite good. Um, wasn't enough. Aliche de Grati was really good too, other than getting aced eight times. That's pretty bad. Um, I've always but, been I've always been a big fan of 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 Mingardi. So I like her too. T- teeing off like this. Um, I was I was aware of this match uh, just by being on the the Discord. However, did not watch it. But uh, and uh, the the other one is Malone's. Uh, losing to Novara in five and just some more kind of confusing lineup choices We, we, we for Malone's anyway. We finally get to see Dana Redke back starting again. I have no idea what she was doing on the bench for so long. She came off the bench in the third, played the fourth and the fifth, and only went nine for 12 with two blocks. So it's- I don't know what, what on earth Gaspari is doing. And yeah, they did no, lose this match. Like Novara won. Like Vita Akimova dropped 24. Yeah, I mean, but if you look at the dates, Agonu dropped 28. Miram Silo dropped 20. Silo was actually really good this one. She was 17 for for, thir- for 35 with, lose three, this game. with three blocks. Well, when you look at, like, you you had a pretty like pretty even scoring. You had four players from Navarra in double digits, led by Akimova with 24. Bonifacio had 13, and Buyas had 15. And Greta Zakmari? Shakamari, yeah, she's she's the other outside. I guess she she started over. Yeah, wow, interesting. I guess Katarina Bossetti didn't play this game. She's listed as having dressed at libero, and Uh, and Navarra set and Navarra served way, way, way better. then well, I wouldn't say necessarily way better, but based off of uh, of Malonzo's Malonzo's passing stats, Um, but they had uh, six or sorry four aces and only 10 errors compared to three aces and 16 errors. Yeah, 10 errors in five sets is not bad. 16 nope. errors is too many, especially with, uh, let's see, so Egonu had three. She's the only really aggressive. So, well, no, Kazot is a good server too. Yeah, she only she had is. one. So Hireman, Foley, Oro, and Bayama, and Kandi all had all had more than one service error apiece. That's not good enough. you got to serve the ball and bounce. Yeah, no, just uh, it, this one was not a, a, a terribly efficient game either. 
like a lot of attempts in this one. Yeah, 12 unforced errors from Alonzo. Uh, they did have 12 blocks, though. Uh, yeah, good for Novara. This is a nice win for them. I do think they're going to win the Challenge Cup. I do think they're going to get the fourth seed in the league. Are they? Let's see. Yeah. Also, uh, Rob, actually interesting that Novara is actually now in the three seed in the league. Here, uh, here let's, let's look at the standings. Yeah. One one thing to point out, sorry, if you can go back to that last page, I think we need to give a big shout out to Trentino's women team for getting thir- three big points for the first Ooh. time in like over a year. So and they beat and they beat Cuneo, who's the only. I mean, Trentino is in a very tough spot. Looking at the standings, they are now six points behind Cuneo. Okay, but that's that's the team that they're. That's like kind of the mark that they're trying to chase down. Oh, although I, I don't know, two teams get relegated. I didn't know that. That's tough. Oh yeah. Then now, yeah. Six matches left in the Lega Volley Femenile, but with two teams getting relegated, yeah, Trentino is in big trouble. But yeah, it is nice to see a bad team get a win. You when you start looking though, like six, like only ten points from six to tenth. There could be a lot of movement over over the over the next little bit. Like there's like a few different pockets. There's that top four pocket. Kieri and Pinarola are kind of hanging out in the, in the middle in the 30s, and then you have the 20s gang. Does do we think Busto still has a shot? Like they are, they are a good seven points away from Roma, but uh, I'm going to say no, just because I, I don't like their team that much. Mm. Other than Martina Brocky, who I Brocky, like, yeah, love Brocky. Uh, I don't like their Someone, team as we, much. Volifolia has been playing a lot better. Uh, even Castle Maggiore has been playing a lot better. They've won four, four out of the last five after being horrible to start the year. Um, I, I don't really have any faith in Firenze, but I think Castle Maggiore is going to be a player. And then um, Pinarolo, Valafolia, and Roma, none of them are like locked in to place in the playoff positions by any means. I think those top five definitely are. But spots six, seven, and eight are going to be fun because the last couple of years in the Lega Volley Femminile, it's been like a significant drop off after position eight. Yes, like the, the playoff teams have always been pretty clear, and there hasn't been that much drama around that. But this year there will be, and that's fun. Yeah, I mean, Pinarolo's got they they've Pinarolo's still got to play Scandici, Malonza, and Canigliano uh, in the uh, uh, in the remaining games. Ouch. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Vafolia has Navara. And Milano, but but they still have like Trentino and stuff. So I don't know. It'll it'll go up. We'll have to we'll have to actually look, not just like look at my phone as the as the show is as the show is doing it. So let's see what what do they have coming up next? Do they play on Wednesday too? Uh, no, they don't. No, they don't play till they don't play till Sunday. And we've There's got one game on one game on Saturday. Castle Majority against Navarra. and no really good matchups on paper, unfortunately. Other than Casa Maggiore versus Roma is is kind of the only one. When's that? That is the twenty fifth. Is that's, that, yeah, that's not that next, week. next week? Yeah, that's next week. Yeah. Oh, uh, is, Casa is, Maggiore plays Novara this week. Weird. Why do they have so many games off? Is like, is there something Copa Italia this weekend that I'm missing? I don't think so. Oh yeah, it is. That that is it. Yeah. That, that is why it we're is, missing. It is of course. It is Copa Italia this weekend. Man, I, for some reason, I thought it was later in February. Man, my brain is all scrambled with the calendar. I can't figure it out. Figure out, figure it out of the week award goes to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Copa Italia semifinals Saturday. Chiari versus Corneliano, nine a.m. Eastern. Uh, Scandici, versus, Scandici versus Malone's a Saturday noon Eastern, and then the final is Sunday eight fifteen a.m. Eastern. So early game. Why so early? It, like actually, after, no, I actually afternoon Sunday primetime slot. 
for in in Italy. True, 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 true. I was going to complain because I have to coach this week, but I don't. So that that's going to be fine. I'm actually excited for this. This is going to be a good little wake up on yeah, on that'll Saturday be fun. morning. I'm going to make myself some coffee, a little bit of maybe some. Pan- I'll get my girlfriend to make me pancakes. Um, for the record, <laughs> I do like Molly. no, I do like 95 percent of the cooking at my house. Anyone who knows my girlfriend can ask her. I do the majority of the cooking. She just cooks really good eggs and really good pancakes. So perfect. I, that sounds good. I, I, yeah, don't come out here with your with your your feminism i i'm a feminist myself and i cook a lot okay I just Everett, no, no nobody was coming at you for that <laughs> it's <know>. okay that's <laughs> okay it was a joke saint Clair. figure it out figure it out yeah I'm figure it out if the week award goes to me uh, i'll wear that one all right let's move on to the plus liga this was speaking of upset week uh this was an insane Whoa. week in the plus liga yesterday the... was a day but we'll oh, have to start goodness. with this one yeah this... we have to start with this one <laughs> I, I I don't understand what you could possibly be laughing at, other than the fact that Zaxa got three donned by Katowice, and they lost the first set twenty five to ten. Twenty five ten, Everett. I've been seeing some things. It really looks like Tuoma Semodvuo is living his best life. He's just bopping around Europe visiting different gyms, going to see different things. Uh, like recently he was in Rosovia's gym talking to Mendez, you know? Mm, how interesting. Interesting. Um, at first I was really upset that he got fired from Zaxa. Now I'm kind of happy, and I'm sure he is too, because this is a dumpster fire now. It can now be classified as a complete dumpster fire. You're losing 25-10 to Cataviche? No, that doesn't happen. No, that does that doesn't that shouldn't happen if you're Zaxa. You still have Janusz, you still have Kashmark, you still have Bednorse, you still have world class guys. This shouldn't be happening. <laughs> it, just, it, it just hurts me to see this breakdown. Yeah, this is bad. It's, it is like this is really bad. And Bednorse did not play this game, neither did David Smith. Uh, so the, the lineup again a massive problem. But uh the, the, this this is uh, Zaxa has given up. That I I really think that after that Champions League loss to Hawkbank, that was their last gasp of this dynasty, and it's over. I you cannot lose three zero, and with one of the sets being twenty five to ten to Katowice, who has now only six wins on the season. It just can't happen to a team like yeah. that. And Zaxa I mean, is in Zaxa is in tenth. They are three points out of a playoff spot right now uh, because there's so much chaos. But that loss is completely inexcusable. I don't care who your injuries are. I don't care who's sick. I don't care about firing your coach. I don't care about any of that. You cannot get three donged by Katowice and lose 25 to 10. You cannot do that. You're starting right now a Daniel Kitigoy an 18-year-old Daniel Kitigoy who hasn't really played all season. And a I don't know how old you are, Christoph Saplaki, who is an employee. He's the third division guy. Yeah. He's an employee, a 9-to-5 employee somewhere in Poland, Monday through Friday, plays third division, and then drives to go play for, for Zaxa. This is where yeah, so I see this on the chat. The, the outside hitters in the third set were Takvam, who's a middle, and Kaczmarek, who's an opposite. What are we doing? I will say one thing about this, Rob. And 
I know I have been a big ardent supporter of Lucas Kaczmarek over the years. And there has been times in the past, before even all of this, where I was saying I thought Kaczmarek was a better fit for the Polish national team on the right side than Bartosz Kurek. If you swap out Bartosz Kurek for Lukasz Kaczmarek, Bartosz Kurek does not let this happen. Not a chance in he hell. He drops 32. He drops 32, right? And that's what I'm most worried about is where, like, I know you guys, like, like this team is mentally broken. Yep, mentally, mentally broken. And I think if you're a Polish fan, you need to be worried, right? You need to be worried about a guy like Kaczmarek and his mental state going into the national team season. You need to be worried about a Marcin Janusz going going into the national season a little a little bit broken. But on the flip side of that, hey, maybe at a few months off of volleyball might be exactly what those guys need, right? Yeah, it, I, I have, especially for my it, it, for my 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 two Americans, Eric Shoji and David Smith, who I love, and I. I this is uh, an opportunity of epic scale this summer for the United States men's national team uh, playing this well with a slightly older team guys who this might be their last run in Paris. Uh, if they kind of phoned it in the rest of club season, I would not blame them. And honestly, I would kind of prefer it. Uh, Eric Shoji is the one guy all season who has played pretty much every game for Zaxa. He hasn't gotten sick and he hasn't gotten hurt. And I so, so desperately hope that that continues. But uh, especially, I, I don't know what's going on with David Smith. He didn't even suit up in this game. Uh, if he took the rest of the season off, I, I wouldn't blame him. Uh, and I would kind of, I would kind of prefer it. Take, take something that somewhat resembles an off season now and get ready to go try and win an Olympic medal. I am so I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about these American guys and, and the wear that this had, that this season has had on them mentally. This has just got to be so difficult mentally. And clearly now they are completely broken and shattered and they lost a set to Katowice 25 to 10. And I, I, I do not know where you go from here. The dynasty of Zaxa is over. It was amazing while it happened. I think that it might even benefit them to not make the playoffs at this point. You're not wrong. Yep. I, it, it's, it's really just tough to watch. But hey, good on Katowice. That uh, really helps them in, in the standings. They're now in 13th place. Well, tied for 13th alongside uh, Chestova. Okay. So, um, that was, but this was not the only uh, upset this weekend, Rob, as that was like basically we had four upsets in a row. If, yeah, we if did. You look at the standings, the Saturday night game, and then on Sunday, Lublin takes down Varsava three one. Gdansk takes down, or sorry, Belchatov. Scott Belchatov takes down Gdansk three two, and then Barkom Lviv, straight out of Ukraine, takes down Zavierci in five as well first and foremost lublin uh a 301 win over warsawa when i first saw this uh happening in the score and i got to watch a little bit um in the morning i was really surprised but then i looked at the standings and lublin's actually putting together a pretty decent season right now yeah, they're good they're in, in sixth they're in the polish cup they're, they're they're playing in the the polish cup quarterfinals tomorrow against rosovia like they were a, a top six team the first half of the season so yeah, Luke Lublin's no joke. Uh, Alexander Ferreira, the Portuguese guy, is is having a really good year, and uh, 
was great on the outside. 56% efficiency in this game. Um, I hate giving Damian Schultz credit because I hate his game, but he was really good in this one. Seventeen uh, for 29. Yep. And then Vershava just didn't really have it. Uh, nothing going for Kevin Tilly. Um, well, actually, Arthur Schalpuk was really good. But uh, a little too error-prone for Bartomier Bed- or Boange, excuse me. Igor Grabelny off the bench, not great. Didn't see Taylor Averill, which is disappointing. Um, and then uh, Fearley didn't play either. So you lose your starting setter, and that that certainly hurts. But, yeah, this was just the week of upsets. I think only JSW and Rosovia, those are the only, like, top-level teams to not lose this week. Yeah. I mean, if you look at this one, it's the battle of the efficiency. 43% efficiency, 58% hitting for Versava, 54% efficiency, 61% hitting uh, for Lublin. So that was just a straight-up better game from from what a performance uh, Mart- martin comenda the setter for lublin that is an awesome awesome game yeah th- th- those are fantastic uh numbers uh for sure um heading over scrub Beltsov. is this the comeback okay probably not no. but still <laughs> a-, a nice little win in five here uh led by adrian Acho Banite. Is that uh, definitely? <laughs> yeah, you actually were pretty close there. He's Romanian. He's, he's yeah. one of the another like young Romanian kid that is is going to be really good for their national team for a long time. Yeah, he dropped 24 on 48% efficiency, which is sick. And then Mateusz Paremba in the middle, who was in the national team program at least the last couple of years, but yeah, that is, has, has faded into obscurity a little bit. Uh, he was really good. 16. Yeah, 16 for a middle, 10 for 11 with six blocks. That's nice. Yeah, six break points. That's not bad at all for Scraw. Man, I want to see Scraw get back to where they were. I, 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 I really do. We just make the landscape just even even more interesting. Um, and I don't know very much about this Nasevich guy. This, this no, I was, li- I was literally going to say, I'm actually, we're going to copy paste this because uh, and go to check him out. Volleyball speak did get I did get not. blocked eight times, but he dropped twenty eight on uh, twenty five for forty four, two aces and a, a block. Two thousand and three, Rob. So he is twenty one. Where's yeah. he from? Is he? He's, he's he's from Poland. It looks like. Okay. Yeah. He's, okay. he's Polish. Volleybox when you open it now has so many prompts. Like shoot me now. Uh, you go on here every friggin' day. Why can't you remind? Why does volleyball suck? Why can't we figure out technology? Like, why? Sorry, Volleybox, you know I love you, but, like, let's figure it the fuck out. Yeah, the, 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 the pop-ups on volleyball on Volleybox recently have been too much. Oh, yeah, good for Scraw. Scraw, believe it or not, Everett, I think right now is sitting in eighth in the league. I think they might be in playoff position. Yeah, they are. Uh, the, them and Stalinist are tied at 29 points. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's been playing for Gdansk for a few years. He was a part of that... Uh, uh, the U21 World Championship team this past summer as well. Okay. Uh, Nasevich, keep an eye on that name. Uh, last one, of course, is a big one. Uh, Barkom Lviv continues a very bad week for Varta Zavierce. Uh, lose in a golden set to Rosovia, lose to a Ukrainian team. And uh, I, I have to assume our boy, our boy Luciano Polonsky was pretty good. Actually, no, not, not no, really very wasn't. good at all. Wow. He was very bad, which is real wow. surprising for me. Uh, instead, Gaye uh, dropped 22. Ilya Koval had that's a, that's a middle. And Gaye yeah, is a middle. 22 for guy, a middle? Yeah, that's nuts. He was 13 for 20, oh. three blocks, 
and no, two seven aces. blocks. No, sorry, seven blocks. Holy, and two aces. That is not bad at all. And then you also had Vassal Tupchi uh, adding in another twenty-four. He was twenty-one for forty-three with a couple of blocks and an ace himself. Dang, uh, Klevno had t- 21 in this one. He was 21 for 40 at a 45% efficiency. Uh, other than that, not much going on. 15 for uh, Kolek and only 13 for Butrin. He was 9 for 25 with a 12% efficiency, Rob. Yeah, Kvolek was even worse. Uh, blocked six times. Yeah, yeah low efficiency for Xavier Che. Uh, maybe just 26%. not. 26%. They do have Tebow Rosard now. You see that they picked him up to replace yeah. Sam Cooper, who hurt his back. Maybe maybe he's a guy that needs a little more court time. Um, yeah, Xavier Chi made a bunch of changes in the fifth set. Didn't work. They uh, need, to, need to right the ship a little bit after um, after losing that game to Rosovia. And fortunately for all of them, they they have, they have the Polish Cup, the quarterfinals coming up tomorrow and Wednesday. It sucks for it sucks for them because they technically went six and six in sets this week. And or sorry. Uh, five and six in sets. Yeah, five and six in sets. They they won five sets. They lost oh, the yeah. gold. And they lost three here. Yeah, true, true. But yeah, uh, yeah. there's only yeah. five and four in sets, and they went on two. That that sucks. Uh, Xavier Che though, they do have a nice uh, a nice quarterfinal matchup in the Polish Cup. They get some second division team called Rudzianets. Yeah. No, no. Nothing about them. And then Vershava also gets a second division team, Anioli Torun. No, nothing about them. So Vershava's the, the logo are, for the first of all, they're the Cuck Angels. The what? C U K, the Cuck Angels. <laughs> I didn't stutter. Okay. <laughs> what where, where was your head at, St. Clair? Uh, uh kind of what kind of, what kind of websites do you spend your time on? Relax. Uh, but their their logo, real quick is real fucking cool like <laughs> okay. the angel hold like that, that that is a vla level logo right there are you, are you looking at it on the plus i am it's, it's like pretty the cool. angel the angel holding the volleyball i love that that it's might be cool. that that might be one of the best logos in professional volleyball okay yeah i wish i had it so i could put it on the screen but yeah so that that team with the angel logo they play Vershava tomorrow and then rosovia plays lublin tomorrow yes, and then wednesday uh wednesday jsw versus gdansk is a good one and then xavier che Against some second division team called Rudzianets is also uh, is also Wednesday, so yeah, that's and then on Friday, kind of like how the Polish Cup does, like they they let the second division teams play in it as well. I think that's pretty cool. Not that any of them are going to get past this stage, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, some other notable games to look at from the Plus Liga this weekend. Friday, Zaxa takes on another. Uh, terrible team so that's going to be interesting they take on Radom in the only game on Friday Rosovia takes on Olsten in the early game on Saturday Uh, JW takes on um, Lviv Zavirci against Lublin that'll be garbage but then Vorshava against Gdansk that's good wait no is it Lublin or no sorry they play Lubin from Lubin who is much worse than Luke Lublin yeah Um, I do want to I feel bad for Olsten because Nikolas Scherzin is out for the season. Um, he he had a a minor surgery, but surgery nonetheless, and and he's done for the year. So uh, I love Nico. I think his game is awesome, and I I hope hope the best for him. But yeah, he's done for the year for Olsten, and they are handcuffed badly by the foreigner limit without him. So what they're probably going to have to do is sit Josh Tuaninga for the rest of the year. Ooh, or bring one in. 
I guess they would have to, they would have to bring in a Polish outside hitter. That's not going to happen. I think they're the, the way they're the three foreigners would have to be Karwitzek, Armoa, and Allen. And so they would just need to whoever their backup Polish setter is, I think is going to have to be the guy, unfortunately, because Scherzen's hurt. Terrible. That yeah, sucks. that sucks. So yeah, All right, Rob. tomorrow and uh tomorrow and Wednesday we'll we'll have our eyes on that. Uh stateside, last but not least. Yeah, absolutely. Let's over to the head over to the PVF where things are starting to really heat up. There's two games going on right this moment. Last yep. time I checked on the score, they were both tied at one 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 set apiece. And it's funny, Rob, because coming into the season, this Omaha team was ranked number one. So far, it has been a rough start for them. Uh, with a two and one start, they lose to Vegas, and Vegas is it was in their first ever match. I do have to say, I really like the Vegas jerseys. These the ombre, like uh, white to gold, is really nice. But the like uh, blue teal to green teal that they have in their other jersey, just just real, yeah, real nice. Some, some good good looks, good branding in the PVF. I think they're they yeah. the league's doing a good job with that. Yeah, I watched this match. It was good. Uh, good very good debut for Vegas. Their um, offense was okay. Uh, somebody named Hannah Maddox, who I don't really know anything about, uh, led him in scoring with twenty two, but tied with Molly McCage, who's a middle eight blocks plus fourteen for thirty two attacking as a middle is outrageous. And she's across from the Canadian Lane Van Buskirk. And uh, Omaha gets a little bit of a break because Brooke Nonaviller hurt her ankle and didn't play. So they were missing one of their starting outside hitters. That's a tough break. Yeah, that, that is a, a bit of a tough break for Omaha. They are playing right now, uh, I believe, against Atlanta, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Omaha's oh, playing no. Grand Rapids. Yes. And yeah. that is uh, 22-22 in the third. Yeah, somebody in the chat brought up earlier that uh, Omaha won the second set in that match, 33-31. So that's okay. fine. We gotta go back and watch that. Um, what are the other games that happened this week? We had uh, Grand Rapids beat Atlanta. Atlanta's first loss of the year. Honestly, like I, so I watched this one too. I really, really like this this Grand Rapids team. First of all, you have Abbott and Blair Shelley on the left side. That might be the best the, the best dynamic duel uh, duo here in the PVF for what I've seen so far. I really, really like them, and they have the le- they have the legend in Dimitrova on the right side too so they have a little bit international flair uh and then their setter who is their setter evans Ashley evans um, purdue girl i love ashley yeah, i love i loved her game she's just a bit of a grinder she's a big big body out there blocks well and yeah i was really surprised by how uh grand rapids really dictated this match and they really they did a really well a good job at you're not going to stop Leah Edmond, and I think we're starting to see that she's one of the best offensive players in this game. But they're doing a really good job in the same way that uh, um, Verona was targeting Leal. Every serve was going yep. at, to Leah Edmond's way. Um, but they they just do a really good job. They've got three good pin headers. They're strong down the middle. They got a strong setter. So far, from what I've seen, Grand Rapids is is, is my favorite team now. Yeah, and I think this is only their second match. I'm pretty sure they're two and it up. Was, yeah, it was it was their second match. So now they are the the perennial undefeated team currently in the PVS, the PVF. Yeah, respect. Yeah, Claire Chasse, Simone Abbott is a very good outside duo, and I love Ashley Evans. I'm really happy for her and excited for her. Getting, Where did uh, Abbott play? I forget. Dang it. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. 
So currently, uh, Atlanta is up 2-1 on Orlando, but down 16-18 in the fourth. So that's okay. one of the matches that one of the matches you can check out. And there's actually another one going on. I know Grand Rapids is Grand is, Rapids is playing Omaha right now, which is also probably a really good game. So I want to wrap up this show and go watch those games. Uh, last yeah, match that happened was Orlando. Sorry, twenty-three all in the in the in the third at the Ooh. moment. Okay, yeah, Orlando beat Vegas. Uh, Orlando seemed like they haven't played in, in forever. Uh, I, I really still am confused by the schedule in this league, but uh, that, that included a twenty-five to ten win in the second set, which is a, a beatdown of effort of epic proportions. Um, your girl Shina Joseph again, not very good, unfortunately, Everett. Shy. They won anyway, though. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Uh, look at Vegas. What, what, what were their stats? Lane Van Buskirk, not good either. Not a good match for Canadians. Ooh, that's a little bit tough. It's going to be interesting to see, and I'm I'm going to be interesting to see because like both Van Buskirk and and Chana Joseph are athletes who played professionally, but also played in the NCAA. Uh, both of them went to Final Fours. I'm pretty sure Lane Van Buskirk with Pitt and Chana Joseph with Florida. So it's going to be interesting to see if as the the league continues and more and more teams get on, if U sports players are going to be able to jump in. Um, mm. If it was in the men's side, then for sure you'd see that. But I don't know if it's on on the women's side, like the best of our best, the best of our best play for, for the national team. But still, um, yeah, these with these two two games. Once again, like I'm watching this Grand Rapids team. They have Sarah Sponsel as their lib. I've always so I love awesome. Watching, I, I love, love her watching her indoor again. Uh, I loved watching her play on the beach, and I love her watching her play indoor. So, yeah, definitely it will will definitely uh, keep watching it. It's it's a little tough, I feel like, with the PVF because of the lack of the amount of games and the fact that not every team plays every week, right? And yeah, that, the schedule is very confusing. Yeah, like we're, we're, we're three weeks into the league now, and like some teams have played four teams, some teams have played each other. You know, like I would like there, there to be a little bit more with that. Um, but on the flip side of it, someone in the chat is asking about the attendance for volleyball internationally, the PVF numbers are blowing international attendance out of the water. Yes, they like, are. Like the, the crowds that they're getting at PVF matches are way bigger than the crowds that you're getting at professional matches, even in Italy and in, uh, and in um, Turkey. So that's awesome. Where things aren't as great though, Rob, is the you're seeing consistently the number of views go down match by match. Yeah. On YouTube, yeah, yeah, and the, and the broadcasts are just not good. I mean, I I have to keep saying it. The oh, I was watching, I was watching. It is hard to watch. I was watching Vegas versus Omaha last, uh, I think Wednesday night, and the I th- I think that at least the the games in Omaha are being broadcast by like some basically local TV station in Omaha. They were mm. swapping out entirely different score bug graphics in the middle of the match. Mm. It was remarkably scattered and weird and unprofessional. And I, uh, as as many things that this league is doing well, I still don't understand why the broadcast. What is this game number like seven of the season? They have not figured that part of it out yet, and it's 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 going to be a problem for them. Hey, if anyone from the PVF is watching, um, if you guys need help with your broadcasts and live streams, I know some people who do a pretty good job, get some pretty good numbers. Um, and Go yeah. check out the homepage of this just, very YouTube channel. Just, just, just give, just, just give us a call. Hell, if if there's any like organization or anything that just wants to hire me straight up, I'd love a job. 
in the, in the I'd love a job period. So if you're from Toronto and you're hiring, let me know. Um, but yeah, if you're a PVF team and you're hiring, I'll, I'll shag balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there, I mean, there are a lot of people in this league who could use our expertise. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, there, there are two good games going on right now. I'd like to go watch them and see what's going on. Uh, before we do that, we had a, a super big weekend in the, in the VLA over the weekend. How many I, matches did we have? I think we had we were uh, in in two different regular season spots for tier one. There were two additional tier two events. I think we played thirty three matches this weekend in four different places, and that is so cool. So Rob, I'm I I was following some of the scores this weekend from the VLA. I'm not sure what I'm more um, impressed and surprised by the fact that Swede was beaten up on their Chicago teammates, or the fact that Team Pineapple finally managed to pull off a win. Yeah, Team Pineapple and Team Pineapple's win was a reverse sweep. Uh, Ooh, down down O two, yeah, down O two on Sunday morning. They came back and beat Swede like sixteen fourteen in the fifth. So uh, that was super dramatic, and they needed that win badly. However, they're one and seven, and their playoff hopes are not looking super great. But I got to give the Chicago Swede a ton of credit, man. I mean that, that they have felt like the little brother to the Icemen as far as Chicago teams go since long before the VLA was founded and they beat them beat the Swede beat the Iceman twice this weekend and uh the last match yesterday afternoon was the highest level I've ever seen Swede play in any format anywhere. They were unbelievable in that game. Okay. I, I dare say maybe championship caliber good. They were really, really good. And they, they've they've got their 14 guys deep. They basically like platooned two different starting sevens and came out of this weekend three and one. And they're like, they're a player. They're they really, really legit. Sweet. Love to see it. Chicago. I feel like there's like eight VLA teams in Chicago, though. Yeah, we got a lot. We got two tier one. I think we got three tier two teams around here. I mean, my I city has a ton of all from its right? orange team recently. Just talking smack. I loved it. That was sweet. That was sweet. Was that, oh, was it? Was that Swede with the old school Phoenix Suns jerseys? Yeah, that's them. They look awesome, eh? They they do look awesome. I wasn't a big. I'm not. I, I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of guys playing volleyball wearing headbands. They are <laughs> always like, and that that one guy with the headband on Swede just from this is from the one clip I've Austin seen. Nace, shout outs to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I I shot. I was just like, oh, I already can tell that you're the type of player that I would hate to play against, but love to have on my team. Like, uh, that's actually I, I, a, a great example. So, so in that first match of the weekend, the Icemen were up two to one on Swede, up big in the fourth, and then Austin Nice got pissed off. Uh, he had a net call that didn't go his way. Then went to the right side rotation one. He plays outside hitter, banged a ball one on one cross court, ripped an ace, got a ball back, and ripped like maybe the the best bick of the season, like against no block, and ran under the net and talked trash. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so much fun. So uh, go back and watch some of these games. The other thing we had was the longest set in league history. We had 42 to Ooh. 40 in match three. Set one in match three. The Icemen beat Team Pineapple 42-40. And there's Andre. Andre Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, Andre Brown home. looking good. My boy looking good. Of course you know, he one does. Day, one day we're going to poach him. You know, We're going to start up some VLA teams here in Toronto, and we're going to come bring him back. Oh, to he, he lives in Chicago now. Uh, he actually just got his green card to stay in yeah, the Yeah, I, I, I did see that on Instagram the other day. So I was like, and I was like shit. Haha, we're keeping him. Uh, and then elsewhere, we were on the East Coast. The VLA was as well. Team LVC all time twelve and O at, at this one event at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. Twelve and O. They've never lost in that building. It's insane. They're really good. 
and uh, they they they're classic LVC. Like they don't always have like all their guys because they have a bunch of guys who play overseas. They don't they don't get to practice together nearly as much as Boston and the Northeast Force do. But they go out and win and go four and zero in every single regular season event. Anyway, it's kind of remarkable. They're very good. Good crowds at that event too. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, very, very, very good crowds. Uh, it was like a, a court at a juniors event, and there, there were several hundred people that I saw, like packed in oh, several people deep around the court watching those games. Nice. So that was cool. I'm, I'm still waiting for the time where we do the reshuffle, and we just we we develop we do, do like one tournament series, and the top eight teams get into tier one, and we we lose some of this dead weight, dead some of these dead weight tier one teams. We Make basically them. have that with like all the VLA Cup tournaments, which is like where they all get to play against each other. And historically, the tier one teams have not won very many of those, as Everett loves to point out on the show. But they, and but they're all still tier one teams, so you yeah. don't ha- you don't you don't have that. If if all of the tier one teams are losing these VLA Cup tournaments to tier two teams, but they're still tier one teams, then it's hard to it's hard to justify that. Well, the league's still young enough that we're still growing so much that once we add enough teams into tier one, we will start relegating people. That is the plan. Yeah, no, we just... I can't. I can't wait for it. Let's, let's yeah. Let's, uh, get, let's get let's get with it. We're in, and once again, I keep on saying this is going to happen. There's going to be a Toronto team. We are 100 percent going to be a tier one team. The, the some of the talent that we're finding in like like pro talent, like former pro guys. Ooh, it's gonna be fun. Well, figure it out and put a team in. You've been talking about it for three years. Let's make it happen. Oh, I know. It's just it's just money. None of the guys want to pay for it. Well, and I'm not I don't have the money to pay for it. Get get sponsors. A lot, a lot of these VLA teams are really good at getting sponsored and and they have good media and they have good branding and they have they have their organizations together and there's a lot of teams in our league doing a really good job right now. Love it. I think we'll be I in Phoenix this weekend it. by the way. Yeah, oh, are you, uh, you heading down to Phoenix? I'm not. I won't be there. Uh, Vince can run that event. He'll be fine. So Phoenix, nice. then then Boston in a couple weeks, then Cincinnati, which I'll be at. Uh, yeah, a lot going on. I think. Wait, you don't want to go to Boston? I went to Boston last year. It was awesome. It was it was great. I had a great time. I love that city. I just can't go this year. All right, cool. All right, Rob, let's go watch some v- some PVF. Let's catch the, the the end of these games. Thank you, everyone, for tu- to, for tuning in. Remember, you got a Polish Cup tomorrow, Super Lega on Wednesday. Nothing going on on Thursday. Watch Zaxa maybe lose on Friday and then all of course volleyball <laughs> all weekend long. We love you. We adore you. Be nice to people. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. I want to see if it'll do like the the that reaction thing it did last week. Is it gonna do it? Oh, I don't even know how to do that one. There it is. Yeah. We love you guys. See you next Monday.